Our world is not thinking of God as a God of judgment. They prefer to look at the rainbow, the peace of God. And God is a God of grace, but His grace reigns through righteousness. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the host of In Grace Radio and TV. Today on In Grace, we are in our series, Armageddon's Dawn, looking at the end times. I'm Jim Scudder, and I'm glad that you've joined us today for this radio program or podcast as we look at the book of Revelation verse by verse. And we're in the chapter of Revelation that's dealing with the throne room scene and the worship of God, the worship of the one that deserves Worship, And we're going to talk about what is worship and how should we worship. And we're going to be talking about these living creatures, these four living creatures that surround the throne. One is the image of a lion, a calf, a man, and an eagle. And we're going to see how these four different creatures represent the four divisions of the world that God has made for us. Of course, man is the chief of the creatures. We're not one of the animals. We didn't come from animals. He created us different. Uh, He created us with a soul and in the image of God. But there are divisions within what God created in the animals and, of course, man. And then we also see within these four creatures that they represent some of the different segments of the camp surrounding the tabernacle back when Israel was in the wilderness. And so that and a few other things, including the gospels tie in, each of the gospels was written from a certain theme. All of this comes together in Revelation. There's a lot to unpack here. I'm excited to look at end times and Bible prophecy with you. And I think if you get the Armageddon's Dawn prophecy chart from us here at InGrace, you'll actually have an easier time visualizing all that the Bible has to say is coming. This is something that is for free. All you have to do is call us at 1-800-78-GRACE or go to our website, ingraceradio.com. In Revelation 20, verse 6, we read about this thousand-year period of peace. Blessed is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death, which is hell, eternal hell, hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. This is a wonderful period to look forward to when God will make all things right on this planet. In Isaiah 65, verse 25, we read about the lion and the lamb, or the wolf and the lamb, shall feed together. Can you imagine that happening today? If you went to a zoo and they had a wolf and a lamb in the same pen, they wouldn't have a wolf and a lamb in the same pen for very long. We would have lamb chops. (laughs) But the Bible talks about this in the future. The Bible talks about the lion will eat straw like a bullock. God didn't create the lion to tear apart other animals. Death isn't part of God's creation. There's going to be a restoration of the way it was in the future, in the millennium. Another verse that's taken on great meaning and impact on my life is Hosea 2.15. Hosea 2.15 is prophetic, I believe also referring to the millennial reign. I will give her her vineyards from thence. This is God restoring Israel. 
giving them everything that he promised them. And the valley of Accor for a door of hope. Now that's something that I might have read through and not thought about much until recently. The valley of Accor. Where is the valley of Accor? Well, if you know your Bible, you'll find the valley of Accor referenced in Joshua 7. That's where we first read about the valley of Accor. We also read about it in Isaiah's prophecy, referring to the fact that the flocks will feed in the valley of Accor. And we also find it as a dividing tribe for the tribe of Judah, a point of the dividing line for the tribe of Judah. Where is the Valley of Accor? Well, we read about it in Joshua 7. When, when Israel came in to conquer, they went around Jericho, the walls fell down. He told the people not to take anything. The gold and silver would go to the, the tabernacle, the treasury of God, but everything else would be burnt. No one was supposed to take anything. But there was one man who was tempted and succumbed to the temptation. His name was Achan. By the end of the story, he was more than Achan. He was dead. He took of the accursed thing. God said, we're going to leave it all as a sign that you don't need this stuff. I'm going to provide for you abundantly. We're going to give this stuff as an offering, kind of a first fruits of the land. But Achan took the accursed thing. He took some precious metals as well as a garment and hid it in his tent. Do you think that you can hide something from God? I heard that of my whole life. God sees everything. And that really terrifies a young boy. God sees everything. But it's true. He does. Are you going to hide something from God? So they went and lost the next battle. They thought they got this. They did it their way. They got defeated at the next city, the city of Ai. They came back and God revealed to them the reason they lost that battle. Really two reasons. The first was they did it their way. Don't do it God's way and then next time do it your way because God's way worked and you feel confident in yourself. That doesn't make sense, but that's what we do. But more than that, there was the sin of the accursed thing. Achan had taken something. They identified him. They brought him out. Look at Joshua 7, 26. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. He was stoned. And the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, wherefore the name of that place was called the valley of Accor unto this day. Accor means, this is pretty interesting, Accor means trouble or cursing. So from that day on until today, that valley is called the valley of cursing, the valley of trouble. But here in Hosea, there's a promise to take that valley of cursing and flip it over and make it a valley of blessing. A door of hope. Isn't that what God does? Isn't that how God operates? He takes people that have sinned. He's paid the penalty for that sin. Those that receive that gift of eternal life are made righteous. The cursed thing becomes the thing of righteousness and of blessings. That's God's specialty. is to redeem and to restore. And he's going to restore this valley. Now if this place, this valley of Accor, the ruins of the valley of Accor is how a certain scroll begins. It's called the copper scroll. And I'm not dogmatic on this. I find this very interesting. And we're going to present it as a three-part series on our, in, our show in grace that the copper scroll may point to tons of gold and silver and temple items. 
the discovery of these things at the Valley of Accor. Wouldn't that be incredible? And I think these things are going to happen very soon. And if it's true, it's going to precipitate the end times. I really believe that. If they find things like temple vessels or the Ark of the Covenant, you say, well, I saw that in Indiana Jones. Well, this isn't Indiana Jones. This is, this is real life. And if it's true, the more, I, I'm always skeptical about these things, but the more I thought about this one and, and I was just there, the more I actually think it is true. That these items are buried right there under people's noses and all they have to do is go get them. And then Israel, I believe it's gonna bring in a whole new wave because all of a sudden the Bible Many people in Israel are atheist or agnostic, but all of a sudden there's proof that all this is true. And hopefully it'll lead to, to a revival in Israel. Certainly a revival in Christianity if they find these items. So Hosea 2.15, the Valley of Accor becomes the Valley of Blessing, the Valley of Hope. That's what God does. God is a righteous judge. He keeps his promises. He's promised this millennial kingdom where all things will be made right. That'll be a glorious time. Revelation 16 tells us about all of these cursings that God is going to pour out upon the earth, the judgments that man will curse God. But even while man is cursing God, the creation is blessing God. The creation, the stones will shout out, Jesus said, to proclaim him the Messiah. In Psalm 148, verse 7, it says, Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl. Can these creatures, can this earth really praise God? According to this, and according to these four creatures, yes, the creation is bringing glory to God while man is cursing God. Because creation understands the reason for these cursings, these judgments that God is pouring out. Let's talk about these four creatures real quick. The lion, the king of the jungle, right? If you were out tent camping in a jungle and you heard the roar of a lion, what would you do? I don't know what you would do. If you're tent camping and you hear the roar of a lion, you really don't have any options. The first thing you're going to do is yell at your husband, why did you put me in this situation? And you're right. The lion is the king of the forest, the emblem of dominion and of authority and of government. And we see this first living creature as a lion. In Joel 3.16, it talks about the Lord roaring out of Zion uttering his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people. Do you see this? You see judgment, and you see redemption. It's always together. There's still grace, even in the judgment of God. If you want to learn more about the Bible's end-time prophecies, In Grace and Pastor Jim Scudder have great resources that will help you. First, we have a large prophecy chart that we will send you absolutely free. And when you give a gift of any amount, you'll also receive our eight-part video series, Armageddon's Dawn, filmed in Israel. This series will give you a visual experience that will transport you to the very places mentioned in Revelation. We also would like to send you Pastor Jim's entire 43-sermon audio series, Armageddon's Dawn, 
on CD or MP3 for gifts of $30. Don't miss out on this opportunity to enrich your understanding of biblical prophecy. Contact In Grace today at 800-78-GRACE. That's 800-78-GRACE. Visit our website at ingraceradio.com or write to InGrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Get your free prophecy chart and unlock the secrets of the end times today. We have the fourth living creature, the face of an eagle. The camp of Dan rested on the northern side of the camp, the tabernacle. The standard symbol was of an eagle by Jewish tradition. And then we have the Gospel of John, magnifying the deity and majesty of Christ, the Son of God. Are all these things coincidental? I don't think there are coincidences in Scripture. Like I said, you have all these different threads coming together into one weaving. This is how we find the Scripture so incredible. And I probably didn't even scratch the surface of what's really in this text. And I sometimes fear that, that I didn't give you everything that was here. But from what we saw, it's pretty incredible. Our world is not thinking of God as a God of judgment. They prefer to look at the rainbow. They prefer to look at the peace of God. They want to see that and they want to ignore the lightning and the thunder of the throne. And God is a God of grace, but his grace reigns through righteousness. Look at Romans 5, 21. And as sin hath reigned unto death, that's why he has to pour out judgment because sin reigns unto death. He has to put away sin finally. For those that reject him are rejecting grace, rejecting his righteousness, and he has to eventually put that down. If he doesn't, we're going to have all the same Horrible things happening in our world. His grace reigns through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're to look at the camps, the camp of Israel from an aerial perspective, some people have looked at it in this way. You have the camp of Judah, the lion. You have the camp of Reuben, the man. You have camp of Dan, the eagle, you have camp of Ephraim, the ox, forming a cross. Is this an accident? I don't know. I don't know, but I don't think so. I think it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Now, I said that there's a comparison between the earthly temple and the heavenly sanctuary. You have the tabernacle. The tabernacle, you have the glory of God resting upon the holy of holies, the tabernacle, and you have something pretty amazing. God, God's glory and presence dwelling on the earth. You have the tabernacle that would have had a court, an outside court with the brazen altar, a place for the priest to come and to purify themselves. You have the altar that they would sacrifice the animals. Now that was one discovery that they found at Shiloh just as we were there. They discovered a rock that had the shape of a horn. And if that is what we think it is, and the archaeologist that we were with showed it to other people, and we believe that this is one of the horns of a four-horned altar. So they may have found the altar of the time of Eli, the time of the tabernacle in Shiloh. 
you have that altar and other things. Then you have the holy place, the next part of the chamber where you go into. You have the menorah. You have the table of showbread. And then you go into, well, you win it. But one time a year, the high priest could go into the holy of holies, the final chamber, and inside was the Ark of the Covenant. Remember the cherubim? On the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, these, these living creatures remind us of cherubim that we're seeing with their wings over the holy place inside the manna and the budded rod. Could those things still be in existence? Do you think when they transferred to the temple that they just threw away the tabernacle? Some of the tabernacle might have survived. It was overlaid with wood with gold. Could that be somewhere hidden even today? But we see the earthly temple, the Holy of Holies. In heaven, we see the sanctuary, the throne of God. I believe that to be a comparison. The earthly temple, we see the seven-branched candlestick, right? The menorah. And in the heavenly sanctuary, what did we find in our text? We found the seven fires representing the sevenfold manifestation of the Spirit. Is that coincidental? I don't think so. In the earthly temple, we saw the brazen laver where the priests would wash. They actually, the women didn't have a mirror. Can you imagine that, women? Guys, we don't care. We don't care what we look like, but women do. Thank God for women. And uh, they would take very highly polished brass, and that's how they would see before mirrors were invented. And so they took those mirrors and they made this brazen laver and that corresponds in our heavenly scene with the sea of glass. Isn't this incredible? The heavenly temple, we see the four living creatures around the throne. In the earthly temple, we see the cherubim over the mercy seat. These creatures were the highest of all created intelligence, full of eyes, implying clear insight and worship. Let's read about the worship. Revelation 4, 9, And the four beasts, each had of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. You see the omniscience of the Lord. You see his eternity was, is, and is to come, the past, the present, and the future. These creatures were worshiping an almighty God. And when these beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. This is real worship. I remember taking some of our teenagers. My daughter was part of this group. We were in China on a missions trip and we went and we saw a temple, a Buddhist temple. And in the temple, we saw people bowing down and worshiping statues. And I remember seeing these girls and on their faces were just anguished because they had never seen with their eyes people worshiping a false god. We do it all the time in the United States, but we don't necessarily bow down to a piece of stone or wood. But all other parts of the world, this is very common, worshiping a false god. But we have the one true God to bring our glory and our honor and our worship. And I hope that we live that third W, we live our lives to worship God, where we are saying we are ascribing worth, and that's the etymology of this word worship, is worthship. We are ascribing worth and value to the Lord because he is worthy. 
He is the worthy one. He has proven it to the world. Why do you want to go to heaven? Some of you want to go to heaven to not go to hell. And that's, by the way, commendable, because that's a good reason to want to go to heaven, to not want to go to hell. But heaven is so much more than escaping hell. It's going to be incredible. And we get to be part of worshiping our great God, who liveth forever and ever. And if you say, well, that sounds pretty boring, you have no clue, do you? You have no clue the worth and the value that God has. And even if that's all we do for eternity, may we be excited and looking forward to the opportunity. If you've ever had an opportunity to be part of real worship, it is like nothing else you've experienced in your life. We try to get there on Sundays. We have great worship at this church because we have people that love the Lord God, and you can hear it in their voice, and you can see it in their face, but it pales in comparison to the worship at the throne of thrones. When we can give true worship, giving worth to the one who is worthy. I hope you're excited about eternity. I hope that you're on your way to heaven. If you're not, the Bible says that we're all sinners. This is sin. This is all of us. We've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I did this about 12 times in Israel for our TV show. You ever get tired of it? Actually, I don't. I love telling people how to go to heaven. We have sin. Sin separates us from God. It sends us to hell. Jesus had no sin. He was born perfect. He was God in the flesh. He paid our sin on the cross. He died and rose again. Anyone who receives him by faith has eternal life. It's so simple. But it's what the Bible says. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's so beautiful. For God is a loving God. He's a God that sacrificed his only son on my behalf. He is righteous. He is holy. He's also loving. He's a God of grace. Receive that while you still have a chance because judgment is coming. And if you haven't yet put your trust in Jesus, man, don't wait another day. Don't put it off. And the reason is because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And why wouldn't you get this settled? Just, just say, Lord, I, I, I don't deserve heaven. I'm a sinner. But I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he rose again. I trust in him. And you might find it hard to believe that it's that simple, but that's what the Bible says. That is the way of salvation is put your trust and your dependence in Jesus and him alone, for he is the son of God who died for you and rose again. And if you'll believe in him, you shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you'd like to talk to somebody more about that, give us a call at 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE. And also, we would love to get a prophecy resource into your hands. We have a free prophecy chart. It's something that will really help you because you can unfold it. It's all in color and visualize what we're teaching through the book of Revelation in the series Armageddon's Dawn. Call us at 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE, or go to our website, ingraceradio.com. While you're at the website or when you call us, also ask for the Armageddon's Dawn audio sermon series. It's a long 43-part sermon series, but it goes through every aspect of the book of Revelation. And remember, 
remember from Revelation, we're going back to Daniel, we're going back to the Psalms, we're going back to Isaiah, many places in Scripture that deals with end times. And then we also have an eight-part video series that have a lot of great prophecy teachers on there. And we have all of these great Armageddon's Dawn resources for you that will really help equip you for knowing about the end times and how we can be prepared and ready to serve the Lord all the way up until he comes. 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE, or you can write to us at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. That's in Grace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Are you ready for an end times journey of biblical proportions? Get the stunning Armageddon's Dawn Prophecy Chart for free. Or give any amount and receive the incredible Armageddon's Dawn eight-part video series. Plus, you can order the 43-part audio preaching series. Contact InGrace today at 800-78-GRACE, ingraceradio.com, or write to InGrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us 800 78 Grace or go online ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio. Radio.